people always say, here's what I want to have. Tell me what I need to do. So their process or equation is do have. But Zig always taught one more, and that is be, do, have. Who you are, what you're going to be at a core level will drive what you do, and what you do produces what you have. And so we have to focus on that bottom core layer of who we are and the meaning behind what we do. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of the leading lights in the personal development movement. He's been a best-selling author multiple, multiple times. He has worked with some of the giants and greats of the personal development industry. In fact, he worked very closely with the late, great Jim Rohn. He's now got a brand new podcast and a brand new book with the one and only Larry Wingett called The Real Man Podcast. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Chris Widener. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, man. It's an honor to have you here, brother. Chris, you are a repeat guest on this podcast, but we haven't had you on for over a year and a half. So my listener listening to the show is a thought leader or an aspiring thought leader. They might be a coach. They might be a consultant. They're definitely in business for themselves. And one of the reasons they listen to this show is they want to learn from you as our expert guest. How did you get to be this world-renowned thought leader? How did you get to be the great Chris Widener? Tell us your backstory. Well, uh, life didn't start out so well for me. My dad died when I was four, which sort of catapulted us into the abyss. My mom had not worked outside the home for quite some time, and uh, my dad was severely underinsured, and so we had to sell the house. And uh, we ended up, long story short, 28 homes, 11 different schools, shipped off to live with relatives twice, uh, started drugs in the sixth grade, made most of my money growing up betting the horses at Long Acres Horse Track. And just outside of Seattle, you kind of get the impression here that I, I was going in the wrong direction fast. And uh, and it really is true. I really was. Eventually, you know, figured life out, uh, got into college, decided I wanted to do something with my life and began to study personal development and uh, began to write on personal development. From there, ended up getting some recognition uh, started an online uh, presence in uh, 1997, so pretty early on in the growth of the internet. And uh, I was just prolific writer. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and everybody wanted content for their site, so I gave my content away for free. I wrote 450 articles, all driving them back to my website to build a list of 100,000 people, and caught the attention of a guy named John Maxwell who hired me to ghostwrite for him. I wrote his nationally syndicated column for about a year and a half in the early 2000s. And that connected me with Jim Rohn, who I ended up spending the last seven years of his life working with him and writing his last book called uh, The Twelve Pillars. And in the meantime, I built a company 
called Made for Success, which sold uh, about a million audio programs a year through Costco and Sam's Club and did a lot of work with Zig Ziglar on that project. We had him in a lot of our boxes. And because of that, while I had a television show in Dallas, the same network uh, asked Zig to do a TV show. And he was getting older and on in age and uh, really kind of wanted a co-host situation. So I was privileged to be asked to co-host uh, the television show with Zig Ziglar. So pretty amazing. And that's sort of the, the long and short of how I ended up where I'm at. That's pretty crazy, man. That's pretty crazy. Great, great story. And uh, I got to meet you when I used to be a part of an organization called ACN. You were a keynote speaker at one of their events. There were 20,000 people in the audience, and you and I connected at that point in time. You were very gracious with me at that time. You signed a copy of a book you'd written. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed about you is that you are relentless in improving yourself. You're relentless in becoming a better version of you. Talk a little bit about how you've brought that into the way that you work with people and the way that you share your genius with the world. Well, you know, I think it's true that I do try to constantly improve myself because, you know, that's really, I think, the, the purpose of life is self-improvement and human potential and, and you know, to, to be all that we can be and to exercise the gifts that we've been given. You know, the old biblical verse that says, to whom much has been given, much will be required. And so I believe in that strongly, and I feel like I've been given great gifts. I mean, any of us that are born into Western culture where we live in free capitalistic societies, I mean, just that in and of itself puts us at the, the top of the heap in terms of opportunity and and the, the gift of life that we've been given. You know, we forget that some people are born into huts in sub-Saharan Africa or in the rural areas of China, and literally their entire life will be lived within a mile of their own village. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I like to do is, is keep myself grateful and uh, be filled with gratitude. And out of that, try to express my, my potential not because I have to, but because I desire to as a response to this, these great gifts that we've been given and the great opportunities that we've been given. And so what I try to do in my coaching, when I, when I coach executives and business owners and, and uh, high-performing salespeople, I try to get them to see beyond just the tactics I think there's a lot of people who focus on tactics and tactics are important. And we certainly talk about tactics and we give people strategies and execution. But a lot of times people, they don't understand what's behind it. Uh, for example, I was working with a senior executive yesterday at a very large pharmaceutical company that almost anybody would, would know. And we were talking about his relationship with his son. And, you know, here's a guy making a ton of money, big job, lots of direct reports all over the world, and can't figure out how to have a relationship with his grown son. And, you know, you could say, well, go to dinner, you know, go to a ball game. You know, those would be tactical things to do. Instead, you know, he said to me, he said, I think we have a good relationship. And my son thinks we don't have a good relationship. And I said, well, you know who's right, don't you? And he said, who? And I said, your son's right. You don't have a good relationship. And he said, well, I think we have a good relationship. I said, if one person thinks you don't have a good relationship, you don't have a good relationship. 
And so we had to go to some depth of the meaning and understanding what's going on behind simply the tactical responses, which would be go to a ball game, take them out for dinner, you know, these kinds of things. Well, the same is true in, in money management, marriage relationships, sales, anything. A lot of times it is more and deeper than just the tactics that some people provide. And so in my coaching, I go more to the meaning uh, first. And then the tactics come out of the meaning. It it goes really to Zig Ziglar's old saying, you know, people always say, here's what I want to have. Tell me what I need to do. So their process or equation is do have. But Zig always taught one more, and that is be, do, have. Who you are, what you're going to be at a core level will drive what you do and what you do produces what you have. And so we have to focus on that bottom core layer of who we are and the meaning behind what we do. That's very powerful. You know, the first time I heard that was when I did a program called the Landmark Forum, and they taught us the the be, do, have paradigm. I, I didn't realize that that uh, it predated the forum and, and Zig Ziglar came up with it uh, well before then. And I think what you just shared is a, is a nice way for us to segue into some of the work you're doing with Larry Wingate these days with the Real Man podcast and the new book that you and Larry have put together. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, if you want to think about that, we teach men how to be men. And some of it is tactical, you know, open a door, walk to the inside of the curb, you know, the chivalrous kinds of things to do, right? But we also talk about core elements like commitments. What kind of commitments are you going to make? Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of optimism? Are you a person of excellence? And so it's both, we teach both those things, the be and the do, in order to have the life that men want to have. And we, Larry and I, believe that uh, men are in trouble in this day and age. And I said to Larry on one of our podcasts, I said, when you were 14 years old, did you ever wonder if you were a girl? And he said, no, never. And I said, I I never did either. And nobody I knew wondered if they were a girl. And yet now, because of cultural shifts, it's almost like you're supposed to go through a time when you wonder if you're a girl. So the whole discussion and uh, the arguments that we're having around sex and gender, which many people now are, are differentiating between, uh, used to believe that we thought sex determined gender. Well, now the in, in modern politically correct thought, uh, sex does not equal gender. You can have a penis and be a female, or you can have a vagina and be a male. And so this is creating confusion, not only internally, but externally as men try to live lives in a culture that doesn't understand what a man really is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so true. Men are lost today. I wholeheartedly agree. I've been one of those men. Nine years ago, my then wife, seemingly out of the blue, decided she didn't want to be with me anymore. It was the biggest shock of my life. It took me a long time to get past blaming her and being upset with her and looking within to see, hey, what kind of man have I been being 
that my woman does not want to be with me anymore. And I went through a journey of self-discovery. I hired a, a number of coaches to work with who specialized in working with men who are going through relationship trauma, relationship breakup. And I joined a men's group. Uh, the initial men's group I joined didn't work out for me. I joined another men's group. And I've been a part of that men's organization in one form or another since 2011. And I can tell you this. I've come across literally hundreds of men who are good men who want to do the right thing, but just have no idea how to navigate the current rough waters that our society has put in, in, in place for men and women. And they just don't know how to be a, a real man, how to be an honorable man. And you and Larry, you've made it your mission to bring back some of the time-honored principles of masculinity, healthy masculinity, powerful masculinity to help men. And you put this amazing book together as well. And I'm really, really touched by the fact that you've done this and kudos to you for doing this. And, and, and I bought your book. And uh, in fact, I bought 100 copies. I'm going to be giving away a lot of them. And I read it. And it was an amazing book as far as I'm concerned. And I'd really love for you to delve into what you two talk about in this book. The name of the book is The Real Man's Handbook, 12 Commitments of a Real Man. And I think every man could benefit from reading this book. And I'd really love it if you could delve into some of these commitments and why they're important. Sure. You know, and it, we very specifically entitled the book with that subtitle of 12 Commitments Real Men Make. Because we believe that real men are men who make commitments. And, you know, when you think about a lot of the problems in our society today, they stem from men not making commitments. Or maybe they say they are committed to it and it's, it's their values, but they're not actually doing it. You know, we have whole swaths of society that are predominantly being governed by single mothers. You know, we've got whole swaths of society where 85% of certain segments of our society, children are being raised by single mothers because the men have just disappeared. Or the men, you know, they impregnate their, their women and then they, they leave. And that's not what a real man does. A real man upholds that commitment, right? And this is not to say that it's always perfect or that everything always has to work out. I understand that, you know, sometimes things break down. But when you have 85% of, of certain segments of society being raised by single mothers, that's not a good sign. You know, another commitment would be all the bankruptcies, uh, you know, so this is a whole nother segment of society, upper middle class. Most people who go through bankruptcy are, are probably upper middle class, I would guess. Poor people, I don't think necessarily go bankrupt all the time. Um, but there's a lot of people who protect themselves. They overspend and they, they get themselves into trouble because they make good amounts of money. And then they just walk away from their commitment to pay those people back. You know, and, and I think that whether it's commitments financially or it's commitments to your children, I think commitments to work. Larry often talks about how people are not committed to giving a fair day's work for a fair day's wage and how they're stealing time from their employer. You know, their employer puts his capital at risk and starts a company and is gracious enough to hire you and to pay you salary or a wage or commissions. And then you sit around playing Minesweeper two hours a day. You're stealing from him and you're not upholding that commitment to be an employee who is honoring his employer. So we talk about commitments, whether it's in the family, it's in finances, 
It's in work, commitments to being a friend. You know, I believe that men need to have friends. It's been probably one of the biggest things of my life is pushing men to have male friendships and above and beyond just going to the ball game. Uh, above and beyond talking about the stock market, um, but going deeper and getting to the point where we have really intimate relationships, where we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We know each other's families. We are working with other people to help them improve their lives, in mutually beneficial relationships. I've had those relationships for the last 30 years with a small number of guys, and those relationships have lasted decades as we have walked through life together. And so it's super important for us to understand that we need to be committed to those. And a lot of guys are not committed to having relationships because they don't want to be known by other people. They want to hide. They live in these masked sort of posing kinds of, of situations where we put a mask on, we pretend to be somebody else. and We don't want anybody else to figure out who we really are. That's, that's so true. In the men's group that I'm a part of, every man in that group knows the other men. Every man in that group is someone you could call at 3 a.m. if you ever found yourself stuck in a Mexican jail or somewhere like that, and they'd come and get you. And a lot of men today don't have those kinds of deep friendships with other men. And you're bang on in saying that we need to teach men how to do this. So Talk about a couple of the commitments that you think would be valuable for someone listening to this show to take on themselves if they're a man or if they're a woman listening to this show and they have men in their lives who they think would benefit from this. Talk about what some of these commitments are that you think if they took them on right away would make an immediate impact on their life. Well, I think the first one would be to develop male friendships. And again, most people would say, yeah, I got a bunch of friends. And then I would say, okay, what do you guys do and what do you talk about? Well, we go to a football game and we tailgate and we talk about the stock market and we talk about our new boats that we just got. And we talk about fishing and all those things are great. And I'm not saying that every relationship has to be deep at all times. You know, you need to have frivolous fun sometimes too, as part of your relationships. But women are much better at connecting on a deeper level than men are, because when men get together, uh, they get together and talk sports. Hey, who do you think is going to win the NFC West? Oh, I don't know. But boy, have you seen the Patriots? They've lost three games in a row. Oh, I know. Brady's over the hill. Right. And that's the conversations men have. Women get together at Starbucks and they say, how are you doing? Oh, life is tough. You know, Susie's been sick the last couple of weeks and, and Bob's been out of town. And so I've just been dragging and I just feel so worn out. And, and, you know, and they'll, they'll be vulnerable with each other and they'll open up and allow the other person to care for them and know them. And that's what drives relationship. Proximity and time does not drive relationship. Communication and a purposeful movement towards depth creates relationship. You know, it's sort of like people always say, well, time heals all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Extending and uh, forgiveness and asking for forgiveness is what begins the process of healing all wounds. Uh, apologizing and then receiving forgiveness and then talking through what happened, that's what heals all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Well, neither does time create a relationship. You can spend lots of time. There's people that you spend eight hours a day with at work who you don't have a friendship with. And so men, I think, need to be purposeful about 
deepening a relationship with other men. And oftentimes it can take a while to find those particular men. But Larry and I talked about in one of our podcasts, you know, people say, where do I find friends? Well, if God is important to you, find them at church. If other things are important to you, go find them someplace else. You know, if cars are important to you, go join an auto club or something like that. You know, if uh, guns are important to you, go down and join a range and go do their day at the range things and meet guys that have similar interests as you. And then ask them to lunch to say, hey, you know what? I'd love to go to lunch sometime. Let's grab lunch. And, And then you know, push for some depth, you know, tell me, tell me about your, your family, you know, how long you've been married, you know, get to know, go beyond just talking about the, the peripheral, um, and the, the surface, but dig a little deeper, you know, and, and of course you don't want to just go super deep the first time you have lunch with somebody. I'm not suggesting that, but I am saying that there's a trajectory that takes place, right? I just got back from Seattle as we're recording this. I don't know when you'll release it, but it's December now. And I just got back from Seattle and I had lunch with a guy that I've had lunch with every December for 20 years. He's one of my best friends. And uh, he's a, a very well-known businessman in the Seattle area um, and CEO of one of the corporations everybody would know and a very successful, dynamic guy. And every year for the last 20 years, something, 20-something years, we get together every Christmas. We, we get together other than that, although since I moved to Scottsdale, we get together a lot less. But uh, we get together and usually we exchange a book uh, for Christmas. We didn't this year because he had way too many books on his bookshelf, I guess, that he hadn't already read. But we will literally go through the last year. You know, how was your year? How are you doing? What's going on? You know, how's work? How's your family? How are your children? And it's funny because he will literally go through each of my children. He'll say, all right, how's Christopher? And, you know, I'll tell him what Christopher's up to. What about Hannah? How's Hannah? And he'll literally go, he knows my children's names. He'll ask about them by name. Those are the kinds of things that are the kinds of depth of relationship that men don't have. You know, a lot of guys don't even know their, their, their friend, their quote unquote friends, kids names. Yeah. I think he's got a couple boys and a girl, right? There are a lot of guys that probably couldn't name their close friends, kids names. And that's really sad. Wow. You know, I was just thinking about a man that I'm close to in my men's group, and I know he has a daughter, but I don't know her name. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask him her name tonight. We actually have our uh, bi-weekly men's meeting tonight, so I'll definitely ask Rob what his daughter's name is. You're so right. It's very, very true. I have a lot of friends, and I'm fortunate enough that I'm part of a men's organization, and I've got a bunch of men that I call my men. Um... Justin Sterling, the man who created the Sterling Men's Weekend, the Sterling Women's Weekend, he has a maxim that goes like this, find your men, know who your men are. You have to spend time to know who are the men that you're going to get, uh, take the time to get to know who you can count on, who can count on you. And that's really what you and Larry are saying inside the book. So I think that's really, really important. Okay, so what's another powerful commitment that you would say men need to take on immediately to get some dividends from? Well, I think that they need to take a commitment more seriously to their finances. And, you know, even if, even if they're single, they're a single guy, you know, you you are 
unto yourself, so to speak, and you can do what you want. But at the same time, I think that when you look at the broader society, we see so much going on financially and people overspending and getting themselves into trouble and then not upholding their commitments. Right at the very beginning of my career as a speaker, when it really took off and I started making a lot of money, I bought my dream house. And my dream house was on 10 acres outside Seattle. It had a quarter mile circular driveway. My front gate was 500 feet long with brick pillars and wrought iron fencing in between of it. A movie producer friend of mine pulled it through the gates the first time and said, do you know how much this house would be in Beverly Hills? I said, no, how much? And he said, at least $30 million in Beverly wow. Hills. It was a big, beautiful, it was on 10 acres. It had half a mile of riverfront, 1800 bottle wine cellar. I mean, the whole thing. Long story short, three years after I bought it, the county took a an easement on the property. And while they were working there, I ended up with 30 foot sinkholes all over the property. And I ended up losing about $2 million on the house, ended up selling it at a loss. I mean, it was just, we ended up in lawsuits. I mean, it was a, it was a really bad setback for me because I had, I was making great money, but it was, it was right at the beginning of when I was making, starting to make great money. And so it really set me back. And uh, I ended up owing a lot of people money and all my attorneys were saying, just go bankrupt. Just go bankrupt. Bankruptcy laws were written for guys like you. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't go bankrupt. And I do understand that there are times in which they can do that. However, I chose not to. I decided I was going to pay back credit card companies. And people are like, they're credit card companies. Come on. I mean, they build it into their business model. They're credit card companies. They're out screwing you for 28% a year and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, there are teachers whose teachers' unions are invested in their pensions in credit card companies. So it's not that I'm screwing the CEO who's making $100 million a year with a $50 million bonus. It would be screwing the teacher whose investment in one of these credit card companies goes down because if a bunch of guys like me all decide we're going to stiff the credit card companies, then it affects the stock price. And so, you know, I think just taking a look at that kind of thing and, and saying, as we deal with our finances, it's not just about me. But, you know, if men would commit to becoming strong financially with with great savings and, you know, starting out by saving enough so that they can handle an emergency and then starting to invest and then starting to grow that investment and then starting to have money that throws off residual wealth and, and profits so that they can be generous to other people. We need more wealthy people. You know, we look at wealthy people as being bad people. Many of us do. I don't, but many people do. And yet anybody can be wealthy. Being wealthy is really simply just, it's kind of just math if you think about it. If I, if I make 20 and I spend and I minus 10, that leaves 10 left over. And so that 10 left over, I take five of it and I take the five and I put it into some sort of an investment. You see what I'm saying? It's all just math. Now you have an extra five, right? And so then that five ends up, you know, being your bonus or your uh, extra. And that's really what uh, I think people need to understand is that if they make that commitment, they can create that kind of result. I love it. I love it. I really enjoyed the book. I read it in just a couple of days. And I have started to think about how I can be more diligent in implementing the 12 commitments of a real man. I think it's a very important book. I, I, liked, I like the concept of it so much. I bought 100 copies. I'm going to be handing them out to men in my men's organization, as well as to people that are clients of mine and, and, and just random strangers. 
that I think could benefit from this. Uh, that's how much I believe in this book and the message it brings out to the world. Chris, we like to end off every single one of our podcast episodes by asking you, our expert guests, to share your top three expert action steps with our listener that they can take on to improve their life or their business. What say you? So I would say the first is working on that B part, is doing internal personal development work, taking a look at who you really are. Don't just look at what you have. Don't just look at what you do, but look at who you really are. Who am I at the, at the base level? What are my core values? What are my core beliefs? What are the things that I really believe to be true about life? And then sit down, maybe take some time, get a journal, write them out. You know, I, I believe that honesty is always the best policy. Okay, so what does that mean? What do I do if I believe that honesty is the best policy? Um, I believe that... Um, that I should be financially secure. Okay, well, what does that mean? That means that I need to stop spending as much because I'm not saving what I want to save to meet my goals. You know, so getting to those core values of what you really believe, I think is the most important and really the foundation for everything else. I guess secondly would be to set a goal. The goal being what do you want to have come out of those values? So I was working with a guy, another one of my clients yesterday, a gentleman from Australia, actually, and he was telling me, you know, all these things that he thinks are important and important about life and, you know, it's family and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, and yet he works 16, 17 hours a day. So I said, okay, you have conflicting what you believe and what you do are in conflict. So let's set a goal for what amount of hours you're going to work and what amount of hours you're going to spend with your family. So I want your, I want what you do to be in line with what you believe. And so sitting down and making sure that those things work out. You know, you ask most people, do you think that you should be charitable? Yes, I believe in being charitable. But when you look at the average amount of giving that people do, at least here in the United States, it's like two and a half percent of our income we give. Even evangelical Christians who say they believe in tithing or people who believe in tithing or giving a tenth of their income, the average is about two and a half percent. So the question would be, if you really believe in being generous, take a look at your checkbook and, and see if you're being generous. And, you know, there's the old joke. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when Bill Clinton was running for president and he released his tax returns, they found out that he was writing off the underwear that he gave to the goodwill, you know, as, in order to save <laughs> income taxes. And so People can say they believe in being generous, but on the other hand, they may not be being so generous. And then lastly, the strategy for getting there. If you believe that men should be physically fit and that you should lead a fit lifestyle, set a goal to get to losing 30 pounds if that's what you need to lose. Okay, my goal is I need to lose 30 pounds. Now set a strategy for losing that 30 pounds. That 30 pounds might mean going from X amount of calories a day to Y amount of calories a day. Might go from being a, a once a week gym person to a four times a week go to the gym person. So. To, to sort of summarize, get in touch with your core beliefs, set some goals around those core beliefs, and then have a strategy for actually achieving those goals. Those are the three things that I would say. Those are fantastic expert action steps. And listener, if you're listening to this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Amazon and I want you to order at least 10 copies 
of Chris and Larry's book, The Real Man's Handbook, 12 Commitments of a Real Man. If you're a man, this is a great book for you to, to, to read and to learn from and to start applying in your life. And if you're a woman and you've got men in your life that you care about, this would make a great gift. This book could help change a man's life. It certainly has been very impactful for me. And I put my money where my mouth is. I've actually ordered 100 copies of this book. And I'm handing them out to people in my life all over the place. Make sure that you do this. Let me jump in real quick. We just went to dinner with some friends of ours here and new friends of ours here and uh, in Scottsdale. And uh, this guy is a very successful business guy down here. And, and I had met him once or twice. This was the first time we really did anything as couples. And uh, I had given him a copy of the book and he and his wife went on vacation or on a business trip or something. And he watched a movie and she read the book. And he said, oh man, he said, I got a whole lot of work to do now because my wife read the book. And, <laughs> And it's a short little book. It's 15,000 words. It's 12 chapters, very easy to read. And, uh, and yet he said, you know, it's actually really good because it's given us something to talk about. So I would say, ladies, if you're listening, buy the book and read it yourself. It'll help you sort of understand uh, a man's perspective, but it'll also help you give, give you some ways that you can talk to your man about um, your relationship. You know, that's a great idea. You know what? I'll give a, one of the copies of the book to my lady and ask her to read it. And I think that'll be helpful for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for jumping in, Chris. That was good. Thanks. So, so listener, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, can I be like Chris Weiner? Can I be this world-renowned thought leader? And here's what I have to say. The answer is absolutely yes. You know, we know that if you're listening to this podcast, that you really want to be a confident and successful thought leader. You want to be someone who is growing their business, but maybe you just hate selling. And because you hate selling, you're stuck. You don't know how to grow your business. And, and here's the deal. At eCircle, we know how you feel. We felt the same way, but we figured out a way to help you get your message out there so that you can learn how to sell without selling. And our program is so effective that the majority of our clients have been able to generate six to seven figures of annual income from doing our program versus less than 1% of coaches out there in the world being able to generate that kind of income. And it's really simple. All you need to do is go to our website, ecircleacademy.com, go to the top right-hand corner and click on a button that says book a success call. And then you schedule that success call. You jump on that call and you know you uh, sign up for our program. You get trained in this methodology and you'll learn how to grow your business so you can sell without selling. It's that simple. And once again, go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. This was an awesome interview. Nikki, as always, I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's my pleasure, my man. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, Chris Widener, and to find out about his incredible new book, The Real Man's Handbook, 12 Commitments of Being a Real Man, and to find out how you can buy a bunch of copies for yourself and the people in your life, go to the show notes of the podcast 
And if you want to jump on a call with myself or a member of my team to find out how you can be like the great Chris Widener and learn how to grow your thought leadership practice in a way that you don't have to sell. You can sell without selling. Just go to our website. Again, go to the show notes, eastercoacademy.com forward slash appointment or eastercoacademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner. Until next time, goodbye.